Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host as we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas, yours truly, Brian Chilton. We thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be. Uh, today, uh, this is uh, Monday, April 10th, 2017. We want to remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of BellatorChristie.com and is uh, under copyrights under Creative Commons uh, copyright licensure. All rights are reserved. We do encourage you to go to BellatorChristie.com and uh, be sure to subscribe to the website. There you'll, uh, by doing so, you'll catch all of the articles and the podcasts uh, in your inbox absolutely free. You can also uh, check us out on iTunes uh, if you're looking just for the podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio app, as well as Stitcher. Uh, this is, again, April 10th, 2017. This is the Monday of what is classically called Holy Week uh, in uh, Christian circles. Uh, Holy Week is uh, the, the week uh, representing the last uh, physical uh, week that Jesus had uh, on earth uh, before uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection took place. Uh, it's classically known yesterday was Palm Sunday. Unfortunately, we had to miss uh, yesterday as church service, and we'll tell you talk a little bit more about that on uh, which is going to be the topic of today's uh, today's podcast. Um, so, yeah, yesterday was Palm Sunday that recognizes and represents the week uh, or the day that uh, Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And uh, the people celebrated by saying Hosanna and then uh, spreading the palm leaves in front of Jesus 
as uh, he entered in. So uh, that is uh, Palm Sunday was yesterday. A lot of celebrations going across the world. So we're commemorating that. And then, of course, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Jesus was in the uh, temple teaching, doing different things uh, through those days. Uh, Thursday, Maundy Thursday, is the uh, the evening that uh, represents Jesus' uh, Last Supper. Also represents uh, his uh, trial and eventual uh, execution, uh, leading to Friday uh, being Good Friday. And it's called Good because it's recognized by Christians that uh, we believers that the Good Friday represents the day that uh, Jesus gave his life, shed his blood uh, for the remission of our sins. So even though it was a great evil, it was a great evil that took place, <coughs> excuse me, um, nonetheless, it was good in the fact that it brought about our salvation. And then, of course, that all leads up to this Sunday, uh, which is Easter Sunday. This is my favorite time of the year where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, folks, that is the reason why we celebrate. Uh, that is the reason why we have hope uh, in and through Jesus Christ. And so we hope you have a great Easter. Uh, in fact, coming up next week, we have a, a wonderful uh, person who's going to be joining us. Uh, actually, this week we were going to have Michael Bohm with us, uh, but we had to cancel that interview last Wednesday, uh, but look to have him on here very soon, here in a couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to have um, Ted Wright. He's no stranger to the Bellator Christie podcast. Uh, he's going to be with us talking about the Stratoturin. And also talking about uh, the uh, tomb of Jesus at the, at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. He's going to talk about the excavations that, had, that took place and what they, what they showed, what they found uh, during those excavations. Uh, so that's, that's going to be coming up next week. We're looking forward to that. Uh, this past week was a difficult week. Uh, we were... Uh, we, my grandmother passed away, uh, Mildred Sisk, and it wasn't, it was almost a year ago, uh, not quite a year ago, that Grandpa passed, I think it was May 19th of 2016, and uh, Grandma passed about almost a week from, well, it, was, it would be a week from yesterday when she entered into her heavenly home. And having lost so many people here lately you know I, i've lost a couple of family members and a grandma and grandpa uh i have recently attended the funeral or at least the visitation part of the funeral of, of a young man by the name of jake who was 21 years old and, and passed and uh, another member of our church uh faith is her name her grandfather passed away this this past week i mean we we are seeing a lot of great saints of god uh leave us and uh as we celebrate Easter, you know, a lot of times we talk about the the evidences for the resurrection, and you've heard me do just that, and you will hear me in future podcasts do just that. But today, I want to I want to look at the resurrection of Christ from a different perspective. We're going to look at it from the promises that the resurrection provides us. Now, let me just before I get into that, I want to. Uh, Make a comment. There's a wonderful article about, um, and and I, and I may I may comment on this a little bit later. But there's a wonderful article in Christianity Today, 
in the uh, April edition of Christianity Today called The Most Astonishing Eastern Miracle, and it's not that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. And uh, Mark Galley makes the argument that um, that it's the absences of the resurrection that really speak to the resurrection event in saying, as he goes to say, just quoting, the identity churchmanship encourages me to notice what is passing away while failing to notice the reality that will last, the profundity that lies at the heart of the good news. And what he's basically saying is, Sorry, we had a little bit of a um, technical difficulty, technical issue going on there. Uh, but talking about Mark, Mark Galley, what he, what Galley, what he's saying is that the bodily resurrection is not first and foremost intended to dazzle. It's a spiritual spectacular uh, designed to knock our spiritual socks off. It clearly doesn't do that. Uh, it's not a spiritual spectacular designed to knock our spiritual socks off. It clearly doesn't do that. He says, why, Jesus, why does Jesus seemingly downplay or relativize his bodily resurrection? Because he knew that was that what was coming was more miraculous and astonishing still. Now, while I agree with this, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the perspective that he said. And this is one thing. I, I, what he comes to say in this article is essentially that the resurrection in, encompasses us, that, that Christ is becomes part of us through the Holy Spirit, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. But one thing I do think that uh, one point of disagreement that I did have with him is that he seems to claim that there there were only ten resurrection appearances. Uh, the the ten resurrection appearances that we have in Scripture were the only appearances that Jesus had. I don't know that I buy into that. In fact. While I don't know that necessarily Jesus was there with the disciples every single day for the 40-day period between his resurrection and the ascension, I do think that he probably made far more appearances that, than what was uh, given to us in Scripture. For instance, John clearly notes towards the end of his gospel, and I don't mean to be picking hairs, you know, uh, or just picking, you know, <laughs> looking too much at the details, but I, I think that that could be problematic if we approach it this way. But he says in his epilogue, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are, are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain the books that could, would be written. A bit of hyperbole, yes. But, I, but what the core essence we find in that teaching is that the Gospels do not tell us every detail that took place. But I don't think that we could say that just the 10 appearances of resurrection, post-resurrection appearances of Jesus were all that we had, were all that took place. Those were the events that the Holy Spirit inspired the disciples to write down, to, to document, transmit to, um, to, to the church. So, um, I know that seems to be picking at straws. I do agree with the the general gist of what he's saying is that that the the, the Christ becomes a reality in us. Uh, he he abides with us. He's within us, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. But that's one thing that I found. I know it may be picking at straws. It may be just looking too much at details. But I don't know that I necessarily agreed with that as that aspect of the article. But the remaining part of the article was, was fantastic. 
Today I want to talk about, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, previously in or earlier in the podcast, um, how I have experienced firsthand the sorrow of death. You know, I attended uh, the funeral of a young 21-year-old young man by the name of Jake uh, a few weeks back. And then just a few days ago, I took part in my own grandmother's funeral. And it's, and it's interesting, too, because at the end of the funeral, after all was done, Grandpa had passed. Grandma had passed. The wind had blown, had blew uh, open one of the doors of the front doors of the church, and and they had spent so many years there at that church. And so I, I went and I, I closed the door, I locked it, uh, and 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 closed it shut. And I told my wife that that was almost seemingly a symbolic gesture, you know, closing the door on a chapter, closing the chapter that that uh, my grandparents had had at that church. And obviously, I pray God's blessings be upon that church in, in the many days and years ahead and pray that it continues to have a great work for the kingdom of God. And um, but as I attended my grandmother's funeral, you know, she's the last grandparent I had. And, I, you know, I, I'm not a very much of an emotional person, but I shed a few tears this week. I think personally for me, it wasn't just the passing, her passing that bothered me, although it obviously did. It was the suffering that she endured before before going to meet the Lord. Death is very sorrowful. It's very painful. But nevertheless, I still find comfort, as I, as I spoke about previously in an article here at BellatorChristie.com. I mentioned how apologetics gave me the hope, the reality. It helped me to cope. It was an unexpected benefit from apologetics where I can focus upon the reality of Christ's resurrection that a man named Jesus of Nazareth literally walked out of that tomb the first Easter Sunday. Because of that reality, I realized that death has died and that through Christ we have life and have it eternally. Now, I have here on the past, in the past uh, discussed evidences of Christ's resurrection and the manuscript evidence, the eyewitness testimony, the psychological evidence, evidence of the empty tomb, and all of those evidences are quite par- powerful, and, and I will address those again someday soon. In fact, I was planning on doing <laughs> that this Easter, but uh, you know the Lord didn't see fit for that to happen. All those arguments are quite powerful, but I want to take a moment and to reflect on what the reality of Christ's resurrection means for the afterlife. What does the resurrection show us about what happens to a person when one dies? Jesus' resurrection, I think, provides three applications or three insights into this. Now, first, first, we see the reality of Christ's resurrection that the reality of Christ's resurrection promises eternal life. We have the certainty that life continues beyond the mere physical life, that there is a life beyond this. Okay, You see this in the mission statement of Jesus found in John 3.16, that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus noted that through him, life would be never-ending. 
John 17, 1 through 5, uh, Jesus prays this prayer. I didn't write it down on the uh, article, but let me read it to you. In John 17, let me flip over there, hang tight as I get the page to turn. <laughs> if I can get the page to turn, it's not wanting to cooperate. Um, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. May give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Did you notice that? He's focusing on eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the, the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Okay, So Jesus promises eternal life. He is an eternal person. He existed before he was born. He's the only person who could ever say that. So Jesus taps into this eternal life, is going to provide this type of eternal life, not that we pre-existed our lives, but that we would continue to live beyond the scope of this mere mortal life. And the fact that the resurrection occurred, which glorified Jesus, demonstrating that the work of the cross had been successful in accomplishing its task, defeating death, hell, and the grave, as the resurrection did, it provided us the promise of eternal life that there is life beyond the scope of this mere mortal life. As Paul teaches, if the resurrection had not happened, then we are simply a people who are, who are most to be pitied. Not to be celebrated, but pitied, in fact. Okay, so the resurrection gives us that promise that there is eternal life. The reality of Christ's resurrection also promises the intermediate state. Some have become confused on this aspect of eternal life. The intermediate state is a period of time between a person's physical death and the final resurrection. Now, a person will say that that person, when they die, they're going to get their glorified body. Well, in a sense, that's true because they have a spiritual state of existence with Christ, with God, in heaven that will never more feel any pain, that is blissful, that is joyful, that is in, in fact, paradise. But that doesn't mean that that's the end game, as we're going to see here in a few moments. Okay, so that person will live a, a spiritual state with God and up until the time of the resurrection. Now, is this state, does this state really exist? A lot of people have been arguing that it doesn't. I don't know why, because to me, the scriptures clearly teach that there is an intermediate state. A, a, and, and I'm going to write an article on this aspect very soon because I'm, I'm finding more and more and more people are either going in one or two directions where they're saying, well, there's just a spiritual state of existence and no physical resurrection, which is not true. And others who are saying, well, there is no spiritual existence beyond the scope of this, this death. There's just only the resurrection, which isn't true either. The, both of them are true. We, we, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, as Paul teaches us. But Jesus himself even tells us that this is the case. Lazarus uh, had died, and Jesus, before raising Lazarus from the dead, tells the sister of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. 
everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, now let me go back and read that slowly. I am the resurrection and the life. Christ brings about the resurrection. Christ also brings about life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Even if you die, you still live. Let me read it again slower. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. There is a state of existence beyond death before the resurrection. Otherwise, that promise would be a lie. And Jesus is the Son of God. He's God come in flesh, so he can't lie. He goes on to say, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. When our grandma lived in, and believed in Jesus, she died. The only way that makes sense is if there is a state of existence beyond the scope of this mere mortal life. And folks, I think the evidence clearly shows that there is an intermediate state. You know, near-death experiences. Uh, there's great massive amounts of evidence to suggest that a person survives death, consciously survives death. Jesus makes this promise. The resurrection ensures that this is a promise and that, that this the reality of this promise. The only way this teaching makes sense is if a person survives death and spiritually lives with God until the resurrection occurs. Jesus also promises the criminal on the cross, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Again, this promise only makes sense. This only makes sense uh, if there is a, an intermediate state beyond the scope of this mere mortal life. So that's something to consider too. Third, last but certainly not least, the reality of Christ's resurrection promises the future resurrection of all believers. You know, folks, actually everyone is going to resurrect. Everyone survives death. The believer goes to paradise with Christ uh, to, to be, in, in some people call it Abraham's bosom, that spiritual state until the resurrection takes place. Uh, um, other people, other people live in um, in a, in, a, in a state of existence uh, outside of 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 Christ, and that is a, a holding place, so to speak, the the pre hell before hell. Okay, but everybody will experience a resurrection at some point in time. The the, the difference is where that person will spend their eternity. The hope that the first century Pharisaical and Ascetic Jews had or held, was that God would resurrect people at the end of time. Many felt that Messiah would usher in such a time, but, and they were right. However, there would be a span of time between Messiah's first and second coming that they had not considered. Jesus' resurrection proves that a future resurrection is not merely a hopeful idea, but a tangible reality. Jesus promised the disciples, saying, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go away, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. The fact that Jesus states his identity with the resurrection. We've already read this. I am the resurrection and the life. The anastasis, bringing back to life denotes that Jesus would come again to raise the faithful from the dead. Okay, 
So this is the, this reality that we have in Christ's resurrection, this reality we have in him allows us the understanding to know, allows us to understand and know that, that death is not the final, <laughs> death does not win. It does not hold the final answer for the believer that through Jesus we have life and have it eternally. That we have the promise, folks, that when we pass from this state of existence, we're going to spiritually exist with Christ. We're going to spiritually exist with God. Our souls will go back to God, who from the one from whom uh, gave us our souls. We'll go back to him. The body will return to the dust of the earth. Our souls will go back to God who gave it to us, as we find that in the book of Ecclesiastes. We also see that we live in the spiritual state of a paradise, Abraham's bosom. Some people call this uh, that this is a that this is a spiritual state to be absent from the body is to be ever present with the Lord. And then we also see that one day Christ is going to raise our bodies from the dead, that our souls will come back down and reunite with our bodies. It will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, and then we will all be caught up to meet Christ in the air, even if our bodies are nothing more. Than a dust of than a, than a heap of ashes, a heap of dust. Christ will resurrect us. How do I know this is true? How do I know this can be true? Because if the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth is true, then it solidifies every promise made concerning the afterlife. If a man like this can fulfill the promise made. And by, by being raised from the dead, then folks, <laughs> every other promise can be trusted as well. Every other promise concerning the afterlife can be trusted. So folks, we can take comfort. If you've lost loved ones, if they're in Christ Jesus, folks, you have every reason to celebrate. This Easter, we have reason to celebrate because Christ has overcome. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave because Christ has risen from the dead. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. We'll see you back next week. Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. 
The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios, found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers, including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. (laughs) 